Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is brought to you by the employee-owned company Golden Artist Colors. Golden is a company committed to making the best materials for working artists and is dedicated to working with artists to inform them on how their paints work. Golden often does workshops at schools showing students all the capabilities of their materials. They're located in upstate New York, and you can find them in art stores or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The New York Studio School offers a range of programs, including the MFA, their certificate program, the marathon program, evening and Saturday classes, and a distinguished lecture series that is free and open to the public. The school's internationally recognized marathons are two-week intensive courses in drawing, painting, and sculpture. All levels are welcome to enroll for the summer 2019 marathons. Apply online today at nyss.org. Nikki Malouf is an artist born in Peoria, Illinois, who lives and works in Massachusetts. She received her BFA from Indiana University and her MFA from Yale University in 2011. She's shown her work at Jack Hanley Gallery, Salon 94, Misako and Rosen in Tokyo, Underdonk in Brooklyn, 24-7-365, Brand New Gallery in Milan, Nichelle Boshan Gallery, and many more. She's received several awards, most recently the Helen Winternitz Award and the Gloucester Landscape Prize. She has a current show at Jack Hanley Gallery called Caught and Free and is represented by Shane Campbell in Chicago. Her work's been reviewed in the New York Times, the New York Magazine, W, Garage, and more. Nikki stopped by my studio in Bushwick down from Massachusetts for a talk about sisters, senses, emo, and more. Here's our conversation. (laughs) Well, three hours of silence, that brings it out. Well, I I know. Plus, I like live in silence now. I live in constant silence. Well, other than when I'm with my child. You have a a daughter? Yeah, but you know, but I spend a lot of time alone now. In the studio? In the studio, driving places. I mean... When I'm home with her, we talk, but it, I I definitely feel like it's just quieter where right. I am now. I mean, it, which I love. I I mean, that's part of what I wanted, but definitely sometimes, like, I think yeah. I call my friends a lot more. I, oh, yeah. I, it, Phone calls. Remember fun. those? It's really... Well, I'm into them now. I have, like, two people who I talk to, my parents and this friend of mine, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much the only people in the world I actually talk I on have, the phone yeah, to. Yeah, I have, like, two two girlfriends and my sisters I have four sisters so we kind of bounce around talking to each other that's a lot of sisters it is Um, (laughs) but but uh, yeah the my friends that I was really close with um, the ones that I was really close with in New York and my friend Danny who you actually oh yeah yeah I I badger them all the time with phone calls now (laughs) yeah yeah but I think they like it's endearing (laughs) Danny seems like the kind of person you could just talk to yeah, for a long time. Yeah, she's good. She yeah. puts up with me a lot. <laughs> but you're coming to the city a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, well, I come, okay, so occasionally. go ahead. We, we, we can pretend you come down all the time, right? 
I come down. I try to come down once a month. I mean, that's good. I feel like that's that's enough enough for me to feel like it's not totally disconnected, um, and enough where I feel like I'm getting enough done in my own life. Listen, but, I'm here. You know, I live here, yeah. and I don't go to every cycle of shows that are out there. Oh no, I mean, I definitely. Stretch. I feel like I a lot of times I try just to pair it with needing to see somebody or do something. Right. And, get as much in as I can hop into a um, podcast after yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's good though I mean it kind of makes you like one of the things that I was really anxious about when we were leaving was just like what like am I making a huge mistake am I just gonna like oh, fall yeah. off the face of the earth and that's the the big thing right it's like either students are asking you like do I have to go to New York or LA yeah. or Chicago yeah or it's when you're there just <laughs> running yourself into the ground it's like if I leave will no one remember me right right I know and it's it's so hard because um you you work so hard to get any sort of recognition or you know to really establish yourself and and you sacrifice a lot for that you do yeah um but I think for me there was always a part of me that knew that there was an expiration date on it because I just I grew up in, I didn't grow up in a city. I grew up in Illinois. And yeah, Peoria, right? Peoria. So what's Peoria? Peoria is, is it a college town? Um, no, no. Is it's, it near? It's, it's, uh, it has a college in it, but it's it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a probably like the third biggest city in Illinois. So it's yeah. not tiny, but it has, um, it has a history of being kind of like a test town. So it's like a very like standard Midwestern place, like yeah. a lot of. Um, chains and um, it's just like a very kind of I don't know it's just it's like the quintessential Midwestern town I feel like and um, it was a good place to grow up but obviously I was like ready to leave and how did your parents end up there were they lifers Um, my dad my my dad is he he grew up in Peoria his father and mother um, moved there well I guess his mom was from Illinois and um, yeah, they both grew up, and my my grandfather was a businessman, and my dad took over his real estate business, and so we we kind of just lived there. They still live there for most of the time, um, but yeah, it was a very it was a very like nice kind of standard American place to grow yeah. up. Having a lot of sisters was wait. You said five. You were one I'm of one, five, of five one of five sisters. Four yes, sisters. Yes. Where did you fall? Uh, I'm the middle, of course. Oh. <laughs> so I, my whole childhood is so cliche, but yeah, I, think I was middle middle of a lot of children must go on to do things because I feel like I hear a lot of interviews with people who, when I they know. have a lot of siblings, they're the middle ones. I know it's like something about being you're not you do, you're like the third, so you're really not like the huge center of attention, and you. I mean, not that. I don't know. It's like I feel like we all had our we all got attention. They were really my parents were great parents and but there's something about having so many that you're not able to I don't know we we kind of become a pack and yeah. and then part of growing up in that experience is like trying to define yourself within that realm like everybody sort of falls into these like roles or sort of I'm the blank one yeah yeah like you start to and and we still do it I think like you start to you kind of like compare your yourself to your sisters non-stop yeah and well they're around they're around they're your community they're (laughs) who you're spending most of your time with um but you have to look up and down like you have to be 
a younger sister and an older sister, you know, yeah. more so than... Uh, yeah, but I definitely feel like I was kind of also a little bit in my own realm. Like, I wasn't... We were all really close in age, so I never really felt like I was a big sister. Yeah. I felt like I was just like a sister, <laughs> you know, and... Was it? Were you pretty much year we were, after year? Um, Kind of. A couple years here and there, but... And then my youngest sister is... Um, quite a couple years younger than all of us so she was sort of like 15 years younger. yeah she was sort of in her own um I feel sort of bad she was in her own little realm she didn't get to like like we were all really scrapping around together like we all went to high school around the same time so we were a pack for sure um but yeah, but for but for me, like I do, I definitely feel like I was sort of like the solo one though. Like we we played a lot, but I was I have a lot of strong memories of like wandering off in my backyard and trying to play alone and wanting to be in my my imagination world. And like my sisters always joke that I wouldn't let them play because I was like way too like they weren't cool enough or something. Oh, and it, was, really? it wasn't that. I think I just had a really rich imagination and. Yeah. I just... You did want, your own thing? I wanted my space. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I still do. <laughs> <laughs> are they are they around, dispersed? Or do they yeah, we're local? all kind of dispersed. Yeah. One of them still lives in Peoria. She just moved back. And one lives in Chicago, but everybody else is sort of scattered a bit. Man, as the father of one child, I can't imagine five girls. Um, I Dad. can't either. I know. He just... How's dad doing? I mean, I always joke that he just gets more and more silent as the years go by. Yeah, well, <laughs> we just sense. dominate, but... No, he... I mean, he... I don't know. You can't help but have empathy for him it's now. It's so sweet, especially. isn't it? It just... It seems very sweet. That, it like, is that, sweet. We it's lo- not like he chose five no, daughters, but that's an amazing role. But he's a, a very good... He's very good with it, and it, we all just, like, really adore him, so... Yeah, he definitely has a lot of love from us for sure now I don't want to go you know I don't want to make it all about it but I mean it's super interesting <laughs> well it does affect a lot of your identity though yeah I mean, definitely big time and are they are other sisters creative or in the creative fields um my well my oldest sister was a musician most of her life she was a flute oh, really? player but she kind of like switched gears after um after undergrad and became a lawyer so <laughs> She was like, ah, this is, this is dumb. <laughs> what am I doing? Um, Flautist to lawyer. She was smart. Flautist to lawyer. She's a really smart person. Yeah. And then my other sister's a doctor. And then wow. my younger sister was, um, we were both really into music growing up, me and my little sister, Corinne. Um, she's now kind of more in the businessy tech world, but she, she's made, she makes really good music and um, I kind of like look to her for music advice now. As yeah. It was the opposite when we were kids, but I'm not cool anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, man, that's amazing. Cause like the whole, not only did the family get the doctor, the lawyer, yeah. but also the musician and the artist. Yes. Yes. And my little sister does music too. She's yeah. So it's, there's a lot of music, but th- yeah, it was a really creative family. I feel like we had good creative genes. My yeah. mom's like really talented in a lot of different ways she she could have been all sorts of like different types of artists and I I feel like I learned how to draw from her for sure yeah what about music was it always in the house or something um, how did that well, we, become yeah we all took music lessons okay um my yeah we all took piano and I mean I so very much wasn't talented that it was really 
I was just kind of going along with the gang. I had a hard time with piano too. I just like, I always had a hard time. I loved music, but anything that didn't come naturally to me, like it was really hard for me to understand how to practice at something like, like drawing and stuff was, that was like my talent. That was the only thing that I really did that like, I didn't have to try at. So I I would have a lot of like grand ideas about, I want to play guitar. I want to do this. And, and then you'd go and you'd have to actually like learn how to do it. And that just like, that gets in the way of everything. It was like, what? <laughs> like, I remember I begged my dad for a guitar. And I had, like, all these fantasies about jamming out. And, like, yeah. I got it. And I was like, wait, I don't know how to play this. <laughs> and it was so, it was such, like, a big moment in my memory. Like, oh, like. It's like a mountain is, just got yeah, dropped in front of yeah, you. Yeah, because you think, like, you know, as a kid, you're like, well, I can draw. Like, why don't I try guitar you know and it just it wasn't there it was there for my sisters probably a little bit more than me or maybe they just were good at practicing I don't know I tried every single instrument and none of them just didn't I just don't but I love music so and it was a big part of like my um coming of age for sure what was uh what was playing in the house when you were um god I mean it's you know I feel like I don't have a lot of strong memories of them playing music. I mean, we we listened to stuff, but it was. I think the music was there in taking lessons, and but I think it was more like enrichment than yeah. Like and you wake up. It wasn't like they were like, oh, listen to this record, right? Um, although they did, you know, give me some things that, and there are some like albums that remind me of my parents. But I, I think it was um, in my you know preteens and teenage years that I really like got into music in a kind of a personal way like I I think around then was when Napster existed and oh, yeah. so I, I, the wild west remember you could just get anything it was amazing I did you ever do audio galaxy it was like another version of that I my strongest memory was like Napster and then I you remember went, you went straight for the illegal oh yeah I was like contraband. really bad but <laughs> it was really great because we would like well, I mean, first of all, it allowed me to kind of have this immediate ability to just like listen to things that were totally not on the radio. Yeah. And that was really like it really shaped my life because I, I was like suddenly like, oh, I'm this angsty teenager and there are other people and other like, you know, there are these avenues and um, these this tribe of like people that are making music that feels really connected to me and to my experience. And it was, you know, it's probably, I mean, I'm sure every kid goes through that, but being from the Midwest and not having like a huge connection to, um, like the, like the world outside, you know, having, it was really great because it kind of like opened up this vortex of like all this stuff that you could, listen to that could kind of shape who you were and so we would like go to Barnes and Noble and get the magazines get like Rolling Stone and Spin and yeah read the reviews and then go download the music or go buy it we would go buy it too like there was like a local comic book store that we would buy CDs and that's cool yeah music has that like I I, it still goes on today yeah you know you see younger kids and that's that's kind of their connection it's like the first one I think because a lot of other stuff feels sort of a little bit too like I was a it wasn't until college that I really 
knew anything about the art world or like yeah you're not like you're not researching that stuff as a kid unless you're like really lucky and you grew up in New York or something and you right. get to go to like these shows but I, I I mean my parents did take us to museums whenever we were like near one but and I they exposed I mean they were always encouraging me to do art and stuff letting me take classes and um but it but you know like music is like the first thing that's like oh, this is me, this is mine. And it's like primal. Art's so different. Yeah. You don't go to a museum and see a Frankenthaler and like, yeah, man, she gets me. <laughs> Definitely not so much later in life, if anything. On, yeah, you put on ACDC and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. uh, this this I can relate to. For sure. You know, you can almost just hear frustration or angst. Yeah, for me it was definitely angst and like sadness. Like I was really, in, I mean, when I was coming of age, it was like the, the time of emo music and that was oh, what nice. was really... Let's it was con- great. It was great for Let's being a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I lived through the emo stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was really. Would you go to Chicago and see? Oh music? my god! Yes. Oh my gosh! And bless my parents' heart. Like my dad would drive us to the metro, and he would sit in the bar next door oh, while we would cool. go see shows. And like we had a friend, one of, my, one of my best friends growing up. Like her mom would drive us to colleges and like mm-hmm. let us go see shows and. I, it's so funny to think about it because I'm like, am I going to have to do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is payback. But right. um, but it was, you know, that was like really, it was an exciting time. We would see a lot of shows in churches and legion halls yeah. and things all over the Midwest. Fire, was, did you used to go to Fireside Bowl or was that um, before? Yeah, that was, that was there yeah. for sure. Um, Empty bottle, shoe bus, Yes, all, all that stuff. So that was a really big part of my like adolescence for sure. And it, Who were your big bands that you loved to see? Well, I think it started with like, I mean, a lot of the really... I mean, like the really, really emo stuff, like the Get Up Kids and yeah, yeah. Um, but, Braid was really big back uh, then. Braid. What and about Promise Ring? I liked Promise Ring a lot for sure. I mean, too I, poppy. No, no, I love poppy, but was like was Cap and Jazz before Cap and Jazz was around that time. That's... I was and American Football was like yes, so good. And I mean, a lot of that stuff I sort of a little bit cringe at now, but it, I'm also like really nostalgic about it because it, it, that was a great. It, it was it a nice moment. Um, Rain and Maria, we saw them play at like Yovai. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's really, I get nostalgic about it. But that, and so that music sort of led on to the more the stuff that I'm like, I actually still listen to. Like, <clears throat> like, you know, stuff, like a lot of like confessional singer songwriters like Elliot Smith and right. stuff like that has always sort of been my bag. Did you um, like like Will Oldham and yeah Ariel yeah M I still I still like do yeah that was good stuff like uh, Mark Kozlak yeah really good um, so I and I do feel like like that when you discover the music that kind of that you connect to um it can it, like especially now that I'm older and I can like look back a little bit more it's sort of you realize like how it kind of permeates a lot of your taste in general. Yeah. Um, it's like it wires something. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I got wired big time for yeah. like having a real affinity towards the. I'm. I mean, I hate to just call it like sadness, but like like things that are really like art forms or movies, um, poetry, things that have like a real connection to like deep emotions mm-hmm. um, has always been something that like I can really sink my teeth into like more than other 
feelings for some reason. I like I, I don't know. I I, I always I feel sort of like a, there's always like a little twinge of shame about that though because it just feels like so it, like when you think about sad music or um, sad movies, like sometimes it can feel a little like overly sentimentalized or something. I think probably because it connects to a time in your development when yeah. you feel vulnerable. Big time, yeah. And then at a certain point, there's societies or just with age, you're just, well, get over it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or like, yeah, like fair. like you don't want it to be like too navel-gazy or too yeah. like, like, like every, I don't know. But I, I do feel like I still gravitate towards things that, of that nature. I, I mean, I grew up with that kind of music mm-hmm. and it meant a lot. I mean, I listened to a lot of different stuff, but yeah. I was heavily into that stuff. And I think the core underlying vibe of that is is connected to the way I make artwork, too. Mm-hmm. And I same, don't think anyone would ever see it yeah. and think that, but it's there. Yeah. You know? And I think the Midwest thing, too, is probably there, mm-hmm. I would imagine, for you as well. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and I mm-hmm. think there's a sensibility. I don't know how to describe it, mm-hmm. but I think that sensibility is in me. Yeah. And it comes out in whatever I'm doing. So it's, you know... Totally. I think it just paves the way. But how did your emo? <laughs> how did shameful. That, how did that emotional connection with audio get transmuted into your desire to create visual things? Well, um, I mean, did it happen in college when it? I think it's well discovering music that felt really personal and like that I connected to didn't it's not that it led to me becoming artist I mean I was making I mean art was my identity from like as long as I could ever remember Mm -hmm. it was like just how I navigated the world so to to I mean there wasn't a lot of questioning about what I was going to become when I went to school but probably getting to school and like having this I, I think that discovering the music and like feeling like it was sort of helping shape my identity as a creative person um that I don't know I it's hard to describe I mean I think that I knew I wanted to be creative I knew that that music and that that kind of realm felt right to me and Mm -hmm. it probably just was like fuel to a fire that was already gonna happen um right but what what was the logistics of i mean did you go to call did you think i'm going to major in art or i want to do this when i go to arts i I wanted to go to i mean we were all gonna go to school that was just like part of there wasn't really a lot of questioning whether like when you have a lot of sisters and they go to college like you go to college like which one are you going exactly so um and college for me was kind of it was kind of um where I was gonna go wasn't something that I thought a lot about like I I kind of visited some schools with my mom and then I was like well I'll I'll go to Indiana U because it looks like the like a college (laughs) like it looks like a college experience or something and state school yeah like pretty I mean the campus looks very college yeah so I mean it's it's funny to me now because it just seems like such a big decision and I just sort of like landed randomly and I think those days a lot of decisions were made like that yeah so like have all this right research yeah and and plus like you know being one of five it's kind of like I don't know like you 
not like a like a ridiculous amount of attention isn't paid to every single decision that all of us make. I mean, we're kind of isn't like, that though good kind of psychologically? Yeah, for sure. Because I know people who are adults now who were only child, you know, an only yeah. child and they didn't have anyone to really guide them in right. that process. Right. And they're just like, what the hell? Like I had to yeah. do everything yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And a lot of times parents don't know that much about right. different yeah. schools or what you want to do. So they right. just felt like alone in a boat. Right. So, yeah. So then I ended up at IU. I knew that they had like a fairly, um, strong art program, based on like all the other schools I was looking at that was sort of a factor but you know I knew I was going to go and study art so how was it it was great I mean it was wonderful did you have like certain professors that you really oh yeah we were well like I don't know if Danny mentioned it but we were in school together so we had the same professors and we had this you know just two really really incredibly encouraging people one would be Barry Gelt and then another was Caleb Weintraub and mm-hmm. they were kind of a great combination well because basically you become so you go and you get your your you know your standard art classes and then if you decide you want to get a BFA you go and apply for it and so I did and it was great because the program kind of paired, like you were sort of in a big studio building with other grad with the grad students so you were sort of treated like a lot more than just an undergrad like you right. felt sort of like oh like oh I'm kind of like yeah I'm in with the crowd I'm like serious people might like see my work like sometimes the grads would come to our crits and that felt like really cool yeah. and um but the, it was a great program because they really did treat you like artists like they didn't it wasn't it was very rigorous and very serious and as it should it, it should but like I definitely <laughs> feel like it, now it's kind of I I it's hard to like when you look, I don't know. I when you look at like undergrads now, you're like, wow, like, you know, you're you're just in such a beginning phase. Like, it's yeah. amazing that people are able to give them that kind of um, real license to treat themselves seriously because they're, you're so young. You know, right. it's it's sometimes it's hard to imagine like taking people that seriously that are that young because mm-hmm. you're like, well, you know, you'll figure it out. You know? But right. Anyway, so. Yeah, but like just like that music, things are wired then. They are. Like I think back to undergrad and that was when so many initial things you're, Yes, happened. you're such a sponge. Yeah. And I I mean, I totally still, I feel like sometimes I look back on that time and I'm, I'm still kind of like coming for a full circle to the stuff that was interesting to me then. Like it still kind yeah. of creeps back in, um, which is really amazing and funny. But... Yeah, so that was a really great program, and it, they really like exposed us to contemporary art. We like we all at one point like drove in a big van to New York together, nice. and like stayed in a hostel. Yeah, <laughs> which sure. Was really <laughs> gross, but really fun. And like we went went around and like saw all sorts of shows, and that's exciting. We yeah, it was really exciting. Like it was like you know back in the day when you would actually like look at read. Uh, reviews and yeah in the magazines like, I'm sorry what are those you know like you'd get you'd go and like buy an art forum people review shows oh, yeah I know <laughs> it's funny but it like it really was because yeah, was, we were there and we weren't like able to go see stuff like we were all really hungry to like stay active and like look at things yeah. and we I mean we always had all sorts of books that we would kind of like pass around to each other's studios and and I remember like 
in the back of some of the big catalogs it'd be it would have like all the list of where what all the artists um like where they all went to school and stuff yeah it'd be like Yale 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 Columbia um you know Slade whatever and 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 so then I was like well I need to go to one of those schools because like that's where all the cool people went so (laughs) that's (laughs) That's basically that's how you do it so then I was like okay well so I guess I'll apply to grad school um because it wasn't it was probably going to be too risky for me in that age to like just move to New York like that was like way too intimidating so I think I needed like a stepping stone to kind of keep on pushing me forward and like to kind of um give me like the courage I guess you know um because you still feel like a tiny tiny person in this big sea and especially being from the midwest you're like well if I apply to some schools and people want to interview me then maybe I'm actually like maybe it's possible that I am actually talented or something you know or like or that this could be a possibility yeah so it was like you know, testing yourself and, um, and then I was like, well, if I don't get in, I'll just do something else. <laughs> so Might as well try, right? Yeah. Right. Right. So I did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, this is applied to a, a few places and that was like pre internet really. Mm-hmm. And this is, was like, I'll just apply to the big places that sound like they're right, good. Right. And if I don't get in, okay, but might mm-hmm. as well try it. Yeah. That was basically my mentality. But, um, but being in school there, like they definitely, they made it seem like it was possible. So yeah. that was really helpful. Um, and it was great. Cause like I got to like, I don't know. We, we, at that time our studios were in this old dorm that the school had basically kind of like, it seemed like they had just forgotten about it. <laughs> and like, so you guys can use this. Place. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. And so like after I graduated, I even like kept my studio for another year oh, and just cool. like, see, like secretly painted in there. Got some and, extra work done. Yeah. And that was helpful. But, um, Yeah. Now they bulldozed and built a beautiful building. <laughs> they figured it out. Right after you left? Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's how it works, A couple right? of years after, yeah. yeah. Let's renovate it. Pretty much. So, um, so, so then... an extra year's worth of work in. Mm-hmm. And I applied to schools mm-hmm. and ended up getting into Yale. So moved out there and... Uh, New Haven. Yes. New Haven is such a weird place. But, it really um, is. But that was also amazing because then it was like suddenly I was I felt like I was thrown in with all these incredible artists and people that were coming in from the city. And I was I was like so wide eyed and like so excited to be amongst these people that but it actually was terrifying because then you suddenly feel like, okay like now I need to make my real work, my my serious work (laughs) and. And up until that point, I think at IU, like it was a very um, technical technical school. Like you really learned a lot about how to paint, but there wasn't a lot of focus on like content. And like we didn't, we weren't um, really exposed to a lot of like reading and um, criticism and stuff like that. And Yale had a ton of that. So I felt like I had kind of, shown that I could paint but I didn't have any idea about what I was painting about and that was like pretty stressful (laughs) because when you're in school you are constantly explaining yourself yeah you feel like you're half prepared yeah in that sense yeah so I felt like I had some chops but I had no way of like 
I didn't even know what I was doing it for, you know, and, and then you feel like, and you definitely feel like you have to have a pretty good reason to be making these things, especially in a school like that, where there's just like so much information thrown at you. So many different kinds of artists in the same place with bringing their own backgrounds and bringing their own like interests and intelligence and I don't know. I, it was like really overwhelming for the first year. And I feel like that was like a big reckoning for me. Yeah. Now, when I was there, mm. it, I'm, it was a little earlier. It felt like there was a split. There were the, you know, the hardcore kind of like physical painters mm-hmm. or people who are more into, you know, the making. And then there was a the conceptual side too. And it mm-hmm. kind of, there was this sort of yin and yang. Yeah. I you mean, know, and was it a little more leaning conceptual and a little less... I feel like we were a really eclectic mix. Yeah. Like there wasn't, I don't, I mean, there certainly were a handful of like painter painters. Right. Um, I love that term. <laughs> I know. Painter painters. Yeah, I know, but no, it's I know true. What you mean. Yeah. Um, They're into the, but I think that they really made like the people who were on the admissions committee, like really tried to make it a very diverse and interesting mixture. So yeah. it never felt like, there was teams. We all kind of like liked each other for the most part, and really, um, it didn't feel like there was like a lot of competitive um, angst. Yeah, it felt kind of harmonious, which was really nice. I think it's every year is different, you right. know. The dynamic shifts. The dynamic shifts, but I feel like we had a really strong, like, happy year that was where people got along for the most part and. Um, supported each other That's and, good. and I think being exposed to so many different kinds of artists was really good for me yeah um, and it's daunting right it is all of a sudden there's people from all over yeah it's way more diverse people more, yeah you know, way just, smarter than you with way more like understanding about like stuff that you know things that you've never even heard about and I feel like you wouldn't in a way you would almost wouldn't even need teachers if you were just around that group I guess that's why residencies are good too you're around that diverse group of people Mm -hmm. who have so many different views you're just like oh it's not just me and my thing here right because in undergrad you can kind of get into that yeah like well I'm just doing my thing making bad paintings just trying to get them all out (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) then you're like oh um, okay now I've arrived right and so then you yeah you feel like okay I've arrived like and and you're having these people that come to your studio like we had, you know, the core critic program where that you get to choose some artists that came through like yeah. once every couple of months. And like, they were like big people, people that I had like read about in books and it was really exciting, but also just like terrifying. You want to be, you so badly want to not suck, <laughs> and you know, but you kind of have to suck a little bit to yeah. get through it. So the first, yeah, my whole first year was just like, hating everything and then the second year I think I got so worn down by my own just like frustrations that I just kind of like I feel like I like wiped everything clean and just like got a bunch of small canvases and was like all right well I've like I feel like I hit rock bottom so I'm going to just um like if my real struggle is what am I painting about like I guess I'll just paint about something that feels really personal because I don't really know how else to like approach it. And around that time, I also had this realization that like about like the duration of like how long a painting should take. Mm -hmm. And I got really into Alex Katz because I, I mean, I I think, you know, he's really ubiquitous. Like, 
you kind of see him a ton just being in school. And then something clicked in me when I was in grad school. I was like, well, uh, okay, like, so he's making these paintings, like, basically takes a small thing and then just blows it up. Like, that, you know, it will take him, a, like, you know, like eight, I don't know what, however many hours it takes him to make one big painting. But just there's something about that realization that you didn't have to labor over a painting like that doesn't have to be like that that the time that you put into it doesn't have to be apparent in the actual painting that you could come at it in a different way and so that was really a huge like realization for me because I think I've always been like a really fast painter and in the shame (laughs) yes and I needed to like show show that on the canvas I needed to show how long it took me I needed to like I had this like really old-fashioned idea that you just needed to see you need to like excavate the painting physically I did the same thing (sighs) in grad school for me it was a defense thing it was because I was making these abstract paintings that that no one or not no one but a lot of them didn't like because they look kind of sci-fi geometric abstraction things so I was like, I started using number systems and I would write out like numbers from yeah. like zero to 5,000 yeah. on the canvas yeah. and build like systems. And I realized it was just like a defense mechanism. Yes, you want people to believe that you're I'm working serious. hard. Yeah, yeah, I'm working and hard. And it's so, it's just, I don't know, for me it just was really a huge like relief to take that away, to just be like, I can sit here and make a small painting and then I can blow it up if I want to try to make it big and... That the excavation could be done in different stages or something. Yeah. And so I started by just like making these small kind of paintings that were like sort of memories. Um, and then, but also painting them in a way where they were sort of like, it, like kind of like film stills or something. Mm-hmm. And that the painting, the accumulation of them could like somehow reflect like a, a coming of age story or something very time melodramatic. Is, time like is that. passing. Yes. So. And then I, from there, I decided to just like really just take robotics cats and just blow them up. Mm-hmm. And that way I could, cause I, I had always worked pretty big. Um, and I, so I stopped working big and started working small. And then I was like, well, I want to work big. So I'll just like, I'll blow it up. And they kind of evolved from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, so it was all very figurative, very like a lot of close ups of like, women and women in like these kind of like settings that felt sort of cinematic um and dramatic and um yeah that was the work that I'd finished off with and left school doing so then after that I just I decided well everybody was moving to New York and it just seemed like okay this is my chance so this is what you do yeah so packed up moved out where did you move to I moved my one of my good friends from undergrad was moving out of Greenpoint mm-hmm. and I snuck into her studio oh, nice. so or, well it wasn't a stu- I snuck into her apartment and got a studio sort of nearby um and I think I initially got a job waiting tables and then I was like emailing anyone I knew to try and find other jobs because yeah. it sucked and I emailed Peter Halley who was mm-hmm. the he had retired that year that we graduated, but he was um, the director of the program while I was there. Right. And I was like, by the way, if you ever need anybody to help, uh, I would love a job. Yeah. <laughs> and he wrote back and was like, well, come over and 
interview. And so yeah. I ended up working for him like the duration of my time. That's cool. Did you study under him? I in, did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did he, did he teach classes or was he just He a taught critic? some color classes. He was, um, he was a critic. He was kind of like the, he was the director. So he was very like involved in a lot of different things. Um, in bringing people specific types of people to the program. He mm-hmm. was, um, very, he was a really good teacher. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed working for him, but so it's, how long did that last? I mean, I worked for him basically my whole time there. Oh yeah. So like six years. It's a good gig. It was a really good gig. He was really a good boss and really like very flexible and made it so I could live. So yeah, that was really helpful. That's always nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Plus, I don't know. It was you just, helped me live. He was, well, it was nice to also work with somebody who was so, um, influential to me as a student. Like yeah. he had a, it kind of felt like my education continued a little bit with him. Right. You're getting like some of the art. World yeah. Stuff. Yeah. He, he was like always really open to talking about things and was he still doing and does he still do index? No, index is over. It's over. Yeah. I think it ended early two thousands. Um, oh, really? Mm-hmm. I guess I've been off the grid. On yes. The but they, they made a book about it <laughs> and, um, that was while I was there. They made like a big monograph about it. And it's not it's not online. Um, I don't think it's online. It, I don't know if the legacy of that would. I be mean, they think the website is still there. I I think it's some every now and then we'd get like some diehard person writing to ask if we had any extra issues of yeah. this or that one. But I, I mean, subscribed to it. It was nice. cool. It was a really cool. I mean, nice we had it yeah. Good. It was well. It was beautifully designed. Yeah. It definitely um, was a really important magazine for a lot of people um yeah we I mean I looked I saw it all the time we had all the issues and we would like read them sometimes and yeah um so what's your what so you got set up in the city mm -hmm. and what's your did you scale down because of or or was your studio big (sighs) I had so many studios they were I mean I was nooks and crannies oh I tried everything at first it was really brutal <laughs> I mean it's like you're really trying to fit the puzzle pieces of New York together yeah. in some way that like works and it takes a while um at first so yeah I tried f- far away studios they were too far and then I got one that was close and it was so small and it and then I, I got to a point where the struggle of like keeping a studio was so incredibly stressful that I was like I need to relieve this stress because then because then you the the other hard part about it being somebody who's like out of just outside of school is like then you go to the studio that like you're paying all this money for and it's just crickets and but you're left with these voices in your head that are like but wait are you sure you should paint that because how are you gonna explain it you know you have like this residue of grad school that's kind of like it takes a while to shed that. Voice, you, I don't know if that was just me, but I remember just being like going to my studio on the, you know, the very precious time that you have off to go do it. And then just being in there and being so afraid to do anything because I still had a lot of that residue in there where I was just like, like, why am I doing this? Is this okay? Like I didn't have anybody to, I mean, I had friends come over, yeah, but like you didn't have that kind of great feeling of like, having these like larger than life voices kind of guiding you. And, um, so uh, for the first couple of years, it was a really big struggle. And I, 
I was hating my work. I mean, it was it was hard. Um, what what were you? What I was, was the work like? I was trying to continue these figures, mm-hmm. um, and at some point they had kind of morphed into the same figures. But like, I was sort of borrowing from like old paintings too. Like I was like inserting my like my uh, I don't know these these weird narratives into like an old Courbet painting. Yeah. Um, and it just it sort of just felt like I was like really not having fun at one point. Like I remember just like mixing these stupid skin tones and just being like, I hate this color. Like I, this isn't fun. I don't know why I'm doing this, and I'm paying all this money to do this. I know, right? It's like the rock. I feel like it's a rock that I you're hit, pushing up the hill, and I it keeps that. falling back down. Yeah, and you're after just school. you get really it can it's. It's lonely. It's lonely. It's depressing. And then at one point I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And so I got rid of my studio and I moved in. I had like this tiny, hilarious little mini like hallway that would connected my living room to my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm just going to like not pay for a studio and see if that like relieves some of this pressure. Yeah. And it was the best did thing. You, did you, it, it's a good thing like for you. Did you think to yourself like, how am I going to get Gojin to come? To yeah, the yeah. Studio and, and it You're was like, Screw I it, think I had like maybe like one or two visits in there that were like horrifying and so embarrassing. But it's so funny because I, I mean, I talk about this a lot, but like studios don't mean anything <laughs> they really. Don't. They really don't. But it's so funny how we give them that weight of like, like if you have a smaller studio, like, yes. oh, well, well, they think that- a lot of this stuff is very like you have to kind of grow out of it. Yeah. Um, the putting on the show or, yes. or, or maybe just worrying about it more than putting on the show. Of it. For sure. Um, just being like, Oh, if I'm in a small space, I'm screwed. Exactly. So, but I, I had really hit this point where I was like, I don't even know if like, this is a viable option for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was like, so like, I'm just going to relieve the pressure and like return to, what it feels like to enjoy making work yeah, and whatever that, like it doesn't matter because it's in my apartment and no one ever has to see it. It's the effort moment. Yes. The effort moment. And it was, uh, in some ways like the lowest moment, but also like the moment of rebirth for me, I guess, which is, you know, sounds really corny, but it's true. Like I, I feel like I, I mean, it was kind of like the one I had in grad school where I was like, okay, fuck it. Like, fuck it. It doesn't matter none of this matters. So I'm just going to like sit in this little room and I'm going to like think about what feels like enjoyable. Like Like what, what what feels like fun. And that was like a big shift for me because it was like getting away from that seriousness thing again, like where like you're posturing, you're showing that you're, you're a real artist. And that was all (laughs) that I had failed at that. So like, I just needed to like, see why I wanted to make anything in the first place. So I just started making drawings and around this time, like I think I actually think my mom had asked me specifically to make her a painting of a monkey. <laughs> and, and I was like, fine. Coming. I was like, cool, cool. An assignment for mom. Right. So I just like sat down and like painted this monkey for her in my little room. Just, off the record, huh. mom commissioned the chimp piece. Why? What was? I think she wanted it for a bathroom that had a particular kind of wallpaper or something. Really? <laughs> I mean, she just had this idea that she wanted this thing. It was really not intellectual. I think she just like, I don't know. I have it's no funny idea. thinking about it now when you're, you look back and you're like, mom just 
hits you up for a painting of a chimp and you're like, yeah, yeah sure, it's fine. I was like, well, I have nothing else to paint. <laughs> so, and I was like, that kind of sounds fun. I've always been really interested in animals, but um, yeah, there's something about it that just sounded fun. Right. And so I went and was just sitting and I made one and I, I kind of liked it. And then I made a couple more and it, and then like that, some weird thing happened where I just got really into it. And the chimp painting, it, I think the first ones weren't, they were kind of just like generic monkeys. Like they weren't exactly like of a specific, I mean, I tried all sorts of different ways of approaching the idea of painting a monkey. Um, I know it sounds ridiculous, but no, it's, it's not funny. It's, but it's funny. It is funny. It, it is, is funny to be like, I am so low that I am just like scraping the barrel. But, but then like something amazing happened where I was like, I was looking at this one and, and I was like, Whoa, this is like, this is like that thing that happens when you're watching. I don't know if you've ever watched like nature shows like David Attenborough and stuff. And like, I mean, in a, in a way back, I used to watch like the National Geographic. Right. So I was always really into that stuff, but you know, you, you could watch all sorts of ones about like giraffes and any animal really. But then when they get to the monkeys, something mm-hmm. kind of like weird happens in your brain where you're like that monkey, I'm kind of, we're monkeys and it was just and then like you're like oh no I can't I can't think about this this is way too big and then so making the the paintings it sort of felt like I'm approaching some like different way of thinking about a portrait or something like a portrait about being a person but it's not a person and and that like kind of simplicity just like opened up this world to me like I see where it's headed yeah like it's headed to this like okay like I don't have to paint people to talk about being a person I don't have to like shackle myself to any one thing right like that truly following the sensation of what feels like what you want to paint not knowing exactly why like that that could actually be a viable way to make something to start somewhere and and I think up until that point, I really hadn't had the license to do that. I, I had felt like I was really in a school mode. I was like needing to needing approval all the time. But you you know, as you get older, you realize that that does doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, your journey of like how you make something is totally unique to however you want to do it, and nobody's gonna like ask why like every five seconds. Yeah, and so following like the act of pleasure um the joy of making something was like a breath that I needed and and actually at that time like I think the guys from uh McGregor and um oh gosh I can't anyway the guys from 24 7 365 swung by yeah and they were like oh like these are cool monkey paintings like let's put these in this group show and and then it was like oh like these aren't horrible like yeah you know, it slowly kind of builds up your confidence again. And then you just keep, well, I can keep making them because somebody liked them. And that's great because you just need sometimes the occasional boost. Right. So that was sort of the start of a lot. Um, Man, mom came through. Yeah, mom really helped. She's, yeah, (laughs) she's very proud of that moment too. (laughs) Oh, she knows all about it. Yeah, we talk. Yeah. Yeah, That's cool. It is. That must feel good. Yeah, she's she's great. She's she's a good um, 
Now she likes to give me all sorts of ideas. All my sisters are like, oh, oh we think you should do this. I'm like, just stop. You yeah, guys. yeah. She solved the riddle. Now she's going to give yeah, you Yeah, now they advice. all want, yeah, they all want a piece. Right, right. <laughs> just kidding. They don't really, but they do love to give me ideas. Yeah. Which is funny. It's funny because when you're talking about the cliche a little bit, it, it's kind of that art school cliche where, especially in graduate school, where they feel like you have to just break it all down, yeah. hit rock bottom, yeah. and then build yourself back up. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that does kind of happen for a lot of people. I think it does. Where and you just question everything and to the point to where you're like, you know what? It's almost like you come full circle. Yeah. But going through that in a way, kind I, of like boot camp or something, yeah. is actually good for I you. I think it was. I think... Like if you coast, you're not tested in a way. And it's good to be yeah, tested, I think. Sure. I mean, I, I know. I think good. so too. Sometimes I'm like, wait, was all this suffering in, like necessary? Like, am I just like creating this narrative of my life that like makes it feel like it was all worth it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's, it's just like probably a little bit how I am like right. I'm very hard on myself and well some people don't make it through that circle though they just give up yeah well I might have I might have it was a fluke that I didn't um it just you know I just for whatever reason kept on now you're killing it <laughs> well, I don't know about that but <laughs> it always sort of feels like this could be the last show you know you gotta make it good <laughs> like I'm always sort of that's on the precipice act, that's such an actor thing where like this might be my last role I know <laughs> it might be I'm back to so commercials. Cliche. <laughs> I do. I always feel like that, though. I always feel like I'm. It's like. Well, it's true. I mean, you never. No you, one's guaranteed. You, yeah. Anything. So you, every time, it's like. I mean, this last show I made was really hard. I really struggled with it. I think. Uh, the one up now. The one that's up right now was really stressful. Caught and free. Yeah, this one's Jack really. Hanley. That painting in particular, uh, kind of sort of feels like about that anxiety like the way that we this painting sort of feels like well it's called anxiety it's called anxiety and then the i don't know to me it sort of is like it was like a representation of sleepless nights and like the way that your mind kind of jumps from one headline to another and the headlines being like thoughts and well i try not in on the podcast i try not to talk about specific pieces right. too much but i can't help but talk, use this so people can output it up or it something. is well that Anxiety would well just because yeah yeah sure but so with this painting mm-hmm. it, it feels like that thing you were talking about where you um you took the monkey as kind of like this other non-human but obviously mm-hmm. you, know, you know it's an animal but mm-hmm. you displaced some of the things that you're thinking about with you know our condition upon yeah. something else this feels like an extension of that where it's talking about our condition without people but uh, what yeah. we're looking at what we're reading and then and then how does like the kind of the fish lemon still life side of it come in is that um well so like yeah like what you said kind of projecting these things onto these different vessels um is sort of like the the basis of the whole like the the whole like project I guess in general and then and then in doing in doing that you kind of for me it's like I also sort of just have to look at things like to get ideas and and so when you have like I don't know it's like if you have an idea about a fish then you think like well, what are the different ways of kind of like getting at this idea like what are like how could I 
approach like a painting of fish and then you think like well like let's think historically about fish paintings and then like you go and like google and or look through books about um like dutch still life paintings which i've always really loved and so it's sort of like i always feel like i i arrive at these images through like a long process of kind of unfolding something like it's not this is like the product of a lot of drawing and kind of just like idea building this one was like a physical I, I physically made a collage that's like cut up pieces that I kind of like move around. Yeah. Um, so it's it's like they always have a lot of things that are kind of propping up the image by the end. Right. Um, I love the um, the relationship of subject matter to the like you're you're putting the viewer in the position of being confronted by you know, all these headlines. It's really about the headlines. Right. And like, oh, geez. But sometimes you need, like, for me, sometimes I need, like, a something that sounds really enjoyable to paint to, like, kind of, like, get me to that thing. I don't know. It's like, I don't I don't think I knew that it was going to be about that. Yeah. And first, I think it was like, well, so if I want to paint these fish, like, what are the different settings? What are the different, like, elements that could be included? And, and I had already made these... Um, birdcage paintings that had newspaper on the bottom mm-hmm. and so it felt like well I wanted like what are the different ways of like connecting like the newspaper in those cages to something else in the show like how can I expand on it how can right. I keep unfolding something that sounds like that felt like it was on to something mm-hmm. so um, that's sort of how I arrived at that but the nice sort of duality of it is I mean, you have the newspaper, which has that running print. You mm-hmm. have the running lines of the tablecloth, mm-hmm. which are visually... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's abstraction in there. There's kind of forced perspective and all mm-hmm. that going on. And then the sort of visceral nature of the... It's kind of like a Manet thing, where he would put all the senses in a painting. Yeah. You know, sight, sound, like smell, it's touch, this, Yeah, taste. I think smell is definitely a new thing. Well, the lemon does it. Yeah, I and fish. Look at, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And those together. A couple of... Um, like I'm putting dill in there and I, there's not yeah. even dill in there, but I'm imagining it. But That's that, that was definitely something like, I feel like the paintings have kind of slowly become more complicated in that way. And yeah. it's not, it's never like something that I like fully knew that I was intending, but that it has kind of crept up and, and it's, it's, it's always kind of, I mean, that's like maybe my favorite thing about painting is this slow progression that feels from a day to day basis. Like, this decision I'm making seems so small yeah. and so like, like throw away. And yet when you, after you've made a show, you like look at all, how all these decisions kind of, and all the, you know, just relationships with the different materials mm-hmm. kind of come together, like coalesce into this bigger thing. It's well, feels, they speak to each other. Yeah, they do. But it's like, you can't feel it fully until you've done it for like, a longer period you know what I mean like, yeah definitely like that's why having a show is so great because it kind of forces that kind of it forces the forces you to focus or something right it's um, kind of like the record like once you put all yeah, the songs the together re- yeah 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 I always think about the, it like the that the overall feel totally of the work in a I, way. I also feel like making these paintings has f- become like I like to think about the relationship between like practice and performance yeah. so like all the little pieces that I use to get the idea ready are like the practice. And then, and then the bigger paintings are like, like they're usually done pretty quickly. Like they're not, I mean, I usually paint each painting one at a time. So they'll take 
you know, one to two weeks um, yeah. of just straight painting it. Right. And so that is sort of, it's like you have, you put on a different men- like mental space when you go to do that, right. you know? It's your, you're entering that zone. It's a different zone for sure. And it, I feel like that's really enjoyable for me to like have these different spaces where like when I'm doing like a lot of the more excavating work of making these small studies and like trying to figure out what the image is, like that's like a lot harder. And, and like in those stages, like I can, I can only really listen to music. I can't like focus on anything else in my studio. Yeah. I'm like very head down just like trying to figure it out and then when I get to actually make the thing when it's all set up and ready I can kind of like breathe and like just like really enjoy making it yeah and I think I didn't always realize like how much the way that you craft like your practice can be like a huge motivation to like how you want to be as an artist you know like that 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 feeling is is actually really important. You know, those, those sensations that you want to try and recreate every time right. are not just like, um, they don't, they're not just, they, they matter, you know, yeah. enjoying what you do matters. It's part of, yeah. like it all becomes part of what you're doing. For not sure. just eight paintings on the wall, but it's this bigger thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like the life that you're building for yourself. I love the black cat, by the way. Thank you. It, it also reminds <laughs> me of Manet, like in Olympia. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love the cat it, in that yeah, painting. He, yeah, I love that one too. It's a good painting. So I mean, good. I mean, that's understatement. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm an unabashed Manet fan. Oh, I am like, too. I love Manet. For sure. Me it's too. It's one of my favorite He's paintings. really good. But yeah, the Olympia is incredible. Mm-hmm. And like is, the, the faces that he makes, like the, the, yeah. that his, they, they like look into your soul. There's that like, portrait at Musée d'Orsay. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of it, but it's a woman and it's a dark background and mm-hmm. her, she's so pale. It's a portrait and it just jumps off the canvas. Yeah. It's so I striking. Just, I was just there. Not but then when you ago. see it, it's, you know, it, it's a great thing is there's like a brevity to the way mm-hmm. that he's painting a lot of the stuff. It's yeah. not like super fussy. No, no, totally. I that, look at a Rembrandt and I just, I'm, I'm kind of disconnected because mm. I can't even get... I can't relate to how it's being. Yes, because they're yeah they're so m- miraculous. You're like I don't even know how you yeah, did they're that. Yeah, just like like God just came down. Yeah, <gasps> but no, it's so true. Like there is you know that one mene where it's like the people on the balcony and the green. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you go up and you look at it, and it's like, I mean, he barely painted yeah. the, those. I mean, you're like I, oh that railing's just that brush like, stroke. Definitely, he didn't have tape for that. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Like right. I literally had that thought when yeah, I was yeah. like, cool, he didn't need tape. Like maybe I should, you know, it's just, yeah, you yeah. start to, it's so fun when you see a hand in something like right. that. Like from when you, when that started to become more gestural and less like incredibly, I mean, at the same time, I, I have like a real affinity for like the Dutch still life painters yeah. because they're just so miraculous right. and, and like shockingly like gorgeous you're just unattainable yeah unattainable for sure for sure but you had to have some um, old school materials to pull that stuff uh, off. Uh, who even knows yeah who even knows that's that that way of working is just beyond me but it's but i yeah yeah i, I mean that was actually something i was sort of afraid to even like touch because i was like why am i trying to make a painting like one of these people like they are way better than you know? it's just different i, mean, I know yeah. but it's you know you have these like I know ideas you in your head though i'm uh, unencumbered by trying to look like any of that <laughs> i mean not that it ever would but it was just like this, i'm never going to be able to hold a candle to this but well that but that said i've 
those people and those images pop up in my mind when I'm looking at your work mm-hmm. and I never think, oh, well, this isn't right. Right, that right, level. right, right. It just feels like a different... We still... It's funny that we carry around these, like, ideas, though, about right? that yeah. and about, like, what's good and what you what can never be, you right. know? Like, what we're not supposed to <laughs> The touch. kind of larger-than-lifeness of some of these characters, I think, yeah. is maybe what I'm talking about. Right. Well, that doesn't really happen anymore. No. Different society. No, I know. You know. Well, some people... I don't know. Some people are, maybe... Yeah, but I mean, yes, definitely. But, but I know what you mean. The, the, myst- the mystery, yeah. the mystique is yeah. kind of... For sure. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of smells going on in mm. these paintings from the show. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and sounds, too. Mm-hmm. So you're getting sonic stuff in there as well. Totally. Which is nice. Yeah, it is. It's nice when something feels like it's progressing. You're not just making the same moves, like that there are still things to... To, to like unfold yeah that's I mean hopefully it lasts you always want something to like continue right unfolding for you yeah and so you found like so you're pretty happy having a studio I mean imagine your studio is a lot bigger than what it you is had a lot Green bigger Point. yeah I am happy is um, it like do you live and then you have a studio like barn sort of thing no or how's although it I'm kind of like tinkering with the idea of building that on our property because it would be really nice especially just like logistically when you have kids like to be to go out back it's like you're not in yeah, the house yeah but but you have an eye on things slightly ish i don't seen know those, like i've been you know there's these great japanese prefab they're not like houses yeah. houses but they're yeah. just like a room with a sink or whatever i was like that would be a great yeah i'm like, sort of like getting into that i i have a lot of solitude now but like I even want more. Like, I yeah. don't want to see anyone. Right, <laughs> so, right. Right now, my studio is in a very old um, mill building that they actually converted into studios, which is really, it was really That's great. Cool. It was, like, the first thing I found when we moved. Oh, um, but you have other humans around. But That's... there are other humans, and I <laughs> need less humans. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, no, no, it's totally fine. It's it's It was really great because I for the first time I could like stand back from my work I was always so up close and it's so important being able to have three paintings on a wall so that you can like see things that are happening Mm -hmm. it was I mean just standing back I mean I can't I was like so shocked having any distance between me and the work it was very different and so the work got a lot bigger um I think being there having more time to myself to paint also like allowed them to slow down a little bit and yeah. like get more complicated. Um, I would imagine you could get a little more like longer chunks of, you know sure. how the city is. It just breaks everything oh, up. It's well, like, the, oh, yeah, I, I mean, go do the, I gotta go. It yeah. was, it got to a point where it's just like, there was a, a very distinct breaking point because up until the point of having uh, my first daughter it was like, I could just go and paint for nine hours straight on the days that I got to paint and that was fine. But then it was like, Oh, like I also like want to have another, like I want to have a life too. It's so important. Like you get, I don't know. Does that come before kids or after kids? Because I feel like it came after for me, but me too. I think I, I really value the time and I would have teachers who would say, you know, make sure you don't burn out or don't Mm -hmm. just, go crazy you'll just empty the tank and yeah. it's important that you travel and do other things and all right. that but now I really get it yeah. I think it's important to have that time outside the studio I yeah I definitely wouldn't have th- having a baby forced me to make I probably would have continued on um yeah. 
for a lot longer. It made me make decisions that I knew I wanted to make subconsciously, but I was I wasn't going to do it unless I had to kind of and right. and it, it it's like it's been really good. I knew I think I I think I really knew I wanted to leave, but I was really scared and then I just was like, okay, but like logistically I can't do this. So so that's what I did. I moved and um it was a really good decision for me. Yeah. So. Are you uh are you anywhere near Tom Friedman? You know, he has a place in Massachusetts. I know that he doesn't he teach at UMass? I don't know. I'm, I just, or at least he's like affiliated with them slightly. I have not met him, but I, I know that he's like involved in the school. There are a number of artists that live there that yeah. work in the city. Um, so it feels like there's like um, some community there for sure. Right. Um, I, rem- I remember being in Skowhegan. He yeah. was one of the, you know, the uh, resident artists there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he when he talked about how he had the studio in mm-hmm. Massachusetts, it seemed like such a abstract idea yeah like Massachusetts and, and it I was, know it was in the middle no it wasn't like yeah. in Boston or something yeah yeah no we are sort of like pretty rural like yeah. well we have um the colleges the five colleges near us which mm-hmm. kind of provides some you know commerce which is nice um yeah like you can go get coffee and stuff but I mean it's definitely it's really it's very different it's different to drive around as opposed to take subways and it's much quieter. Um, yeah, but now it's so different too because you have Amazon. I know. <laughs> you can I know. Like get stuff. Yeah, I yeah, I don't. I think I was expecting it to be a lot more like abrupt and like crazy the transition, but it's really not been that crazy. Like yeah. I feel like I can come back here whenever I want. I don't. I feel freer than I did when I was here. Yeah. So it's been good for me, but I think if you, if you want to live in New York, you have to really love it. And and I think there was a part of me that always felt kind of like I was screw this place. Well, I just, uh, you didn't feel, I wanted to live in a house. Like I wanted to like have a, a different kind of life than I was ever going to have here. Right. Or that maybe would have taken a lot longer to get to here if that was even possible. Um, I always really loved houses. Like it's something I just, I was that kid who like, arrange their room really meticulously like and I think that was one of the factors that I was just like craving really badly like my own space well Um, and when you have a family too you have a family to think about and it just made sense so so here we are so what are you working on I mean uh, this shows up until April 20th yep well Um, that's coming time flies dude I know jeez um I'm kind of like in a little bit of a a break period right now where I'm sort of I don't have anything major that I'm working on Mm -hmm. it's kind of it's it's the first time I've had that in a couple years so it feels sort of like well this could be interesting like what will this lead to Um, you have a little time a little time I'm having another baby in July so that's something I'm working on thank you (laughs) that's my next project yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of work I know I know um so there's that and I'm kind of I don't know I'm like maybe gonna build a studio I don't know I've I've sort of I have a lot of stuff that I'm contemplating right now so we'll see but it seems like I mean from what I'm seeing a great response to your show which is nice it's been really it's been really like satisfying for it to be done and like to you know it's always so nerve-wracking and then you get it out there and you're like 
oh, it's um, people don't hate it, so that's good. That's, that's always a good. <laughs> I don't know. I like, mean, you spend so much time in your head. Yeah. To have that kind of like that off of you, it's right. really relieving. It is. Um, you're just you're done. Like it's it is what it is, and like almost like kids. It's like it is. You send them to school, yeah. and you're like, I I did what I could. I tried. <laughs> I tried my best. <laughs> Try not to ruin ruin their life. (laughs) (laughs) Doing the best I can. I hope they go out and don't be a jerk. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. That's a hope. Yeah, you you never really know. (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) it's a wild card. So, how can people you you do social media? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just your name, Nikki Maloof. The name just. It's such a good name. Oh, thank you. I kept and my I last love, name because I love it. I love the, the, the two Ks, too. It's just I know. a great what name. What can I say? Well, my real name is Nicole, but I definitely was like, I'm going to go by Nikki because it's cooler. It is. It's It's, it's got a great <laughs> ring to thank it. Thank you. So, Nobody so, has ever told me that. That's very really? kind. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Since we were organizing this, your name would just run through my head. Oh, that's very, that's it's great. It's got like a good, like the double O, the double K. It's just got a nice. Well, thank you. I mean, it's flow. hard. I, I'm thinking about names a lot right now. It's oh, really, yeah. it's very daunting. You yeah, wanna, because you got to, you got to yeah, make it work. You do. And you, but you don't want to, there's so many factors. It's been kind of a stressful one. What do you mind me asking? Well, hmm. yeah, I don't know if you want to say hmm. on your first daughter's name. Oh, her name is Isla. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Isla. I know. I, I know. I really love her name. And so I'm like, it feels like it has to one. end in a vowel, right? Yeah. It's hard. Like Names Karen are... might not work. And you also kind of want to like have them sound good in tandem. Yeah, that's what it, yeah, so it's going to have the flow. I know, it's, I'm struggling. So anybody who has any good name ideas, send them my way. Tweet, tweet them at <laughs> tweet. Nikki Malou. <laughs> I've never crowdsourced something so important. <laughs> tweet me names yeah. at Nikki Malou. Yeah. And then websites and yep, Jack um, Hanley. Jack Hanley, Shane Campbell. Shane Campbell. Um, and I have a website as well that I periodically update. <laughs> don't <laughs> not, we all? Not Just, well. Don't we occasionally? Um, yeah. Well, thanks so much. Thank was, you. This was wonderful. Yeah, it was great spending time. Congratulations <laughs> on the show. Thank and, you. Um, and thanks for stopping. Thank you. Thanks. Sound and Vision is recorded, produced, edited, and facilitated by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find more images from the podcast that I do on Instagram at Sound and Vision Podcast. You can see more images of my work at Alfred Studio on Instagram. Many thanks to Golden Artist Colors and the New York Studio School for their support of the podcast. And thank you to all the listeners. <laughs>